0: Welcome, film industry professionals, movie aficionados, and aspiring filmmakers. This is your podcast, Cinema's Pathway, brought to you by Paradoxical Films. I'm your host, Howard Brand. Join us on a journey behind the camera and, most importantly, beyond what we know about film and the craft of filmmaking. So why don't you sit tight, grab some popcorn and soda, and let's go ride on Cinema's Pathway. Welcome to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. I am so happy you could join us today for this episode on this podcast. We like to really dig deep into the craft of filmmaking and really get into the ins and outs of what goes into making films. Film has always been a visual medium. It started with the Lumiere brothers. Then, when you look back at the genius of the early silent film stars, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, my favorite, it was soon clear that they would wow audiences with what could be captured by this magical new device, the movie camera. More than a hundred years later, despite all the technology, the camera. And mastery of it is still the most vital key to filmmaking as a craft. Our guest today is a master at that. He is a cinematographer. He's a director of photography. Uh, His credits are so wide-ranging. It includes hit television series like Dexter and Burn Notice, feature films ranging from Striptease, Reality Bites, Passenger 57. Very underrated, in my opinion, by the way, and introduced American audiences to Elizabeth Hurley. And also, as I was pleased to find out, one of my childhood favorites, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, He's also been involved in music videos for some of the world's Greatest and most influential artists Janet Jackson, Gloria Stefan, uh, Ricky Martin, and Christina Aguilera, and Celine Dion. I could probably go on for days and hours about all his credits and everything he's worked on, but we got to get to the show. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome our very special guest today, Egon Stefan Jr. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Egon, let's start from the beginning. Uh, you grew up in this business. Your father, Egon Stefan Sr., is a, a bit of a film legend here in Florida. Take us back to when it all started and your journey to how you got here today.
1: Yeah, my dad, uh, he was, he came from uh, East Germany when the war broke out. He escaped uh, that persecution and he came to New York and he had uh, skills about learning how to work and make tools. And he worked for a company that came and wanted to open up down here in Miami. And at that time in the 60s, there wasn't a whole lot of filmmaking happening. When he came down here, I think they did it for like a, year or two years and then said okay we'll pull you back to new york and he said you know what i like it here so i'm gonna i'm gonna open my own business and he had like one camera that and he was doing servicing uh for other people that were owner operators so trying to find and get a part from germany is like a specialty car it's really hard and you could go to a guy that was german that knew and can make calls to family in germany and then if you needed a part he would get on a plane and fly out to germany and bring it back sometimes on his lap the first like 35 bl that came into town he he hand carried it from there over here for a job, I think, with uh, with Bill Grafe on a, on a show. And I think they dropped it.
0: <laughs> How old was your father when he came over?
1: Uh, 19.
0: 19. Was he early influenced by the German cinema of the 30s? I know that was a very influential time.
1: Uh, no, but he was uh, in all of the pictures that I have of him when he was a kid. It was mostly about photographs. I mean, he was doing film photographs, a lot of black and white. If you ever saw a picture of him, he would be having a camera in his hand. Okay. And, oh, oh! I, I missed a big portion of this. When he came to uh, New York, they drafted him into the military to go fight the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to go to the division of um, mortars and bazookas. So I have all these photographs of him with a tank bazooka. And then side by side later years, he's got a long 600 millimeter lens filming something for for the NASA. And it was like, yeah, it's kind of like the same thing. you know you're shooting something, but you're not killing anything, but you're filming things. Things. Yeah, so, if,
0: yeah. If, if he went in today, he'd be uh, what we call combat camera.
1: Yeah, And yeah. Uh,
0: That that's what that's actually my, what my wife is. My wife was combat camera oh, and uh, public affairs. Really, type of, type of work, really interesting work. But again, we can do whole episodes on that. So, where was your start? More photography, or did you jump right into uh, making videos?
1: Actually, I when I was growing up, I have no brothers or sisters, so I'm the only kid. So I I was doing things for for sports related things. I was actually doing a lot of martial arts. That was what i wanted to do for a living and then my dad one day i said look i i'd love to have a car to get to school and stuff he says "Yeah, hey, want a car yeah we'll then get a job go come and work for the for for us so my first experiences were sweeping the floors and cleaning the cases and then trying to understand what this business is and then he would actually bring me out on jobs and i think at 16 years old i was in a helicopter doing a james bond film in Colombia in the mountains and loading magazines for him in the helicopter. So that was like my my experiences of he would take me everywhere, you know. I, I, for a long time I thought he was a truck driver because they asked me in school what do you want to be and I said I want to be a truck driver because everywhere he went, he would throw me on the top of the truck and we would drive to a location and I thought that's what we do. But I didn't realize it was everything in filmmaking. You know, you know, trucks, generators, helicopter mounts, cameras, lights. You know, lenses and all the specialty stuff that go with it. I didn't really have a grasp of it. But then after after a while, he started putting me in like repair. So my my intro was I'd work. It's I'd go to school until like noon or one, and then I'd come to work and I would sit on the bench and guys that were like forty years older than me were teaching me how to fix lenses and cameras and batteries and whatever it took. So I kind of. Sat there on the bench for the rest of that time until then i got opportunities where they said hey we need an extra guy to come out and work on the set for second unit or something you want to come out and i said yeah yeah sure and then i you know like the scene in scarface where where they chopped up the guy in the in the bathroom yeah. i was there on the that day on the set you know, Miami Vice, uh, my, my first time I ever pulled focus as a first assistant was on second unit of Miami Vice with a speeding car coming at me in the dark at night. And the guy that I was working for says, you haven't been doing this very long, have you? And I said, well, actually, no. And he goes, all right, I'm gonna give you a mark here and a mark there. Just make sure you keep it in focus. Ready? Go. <laughs>
0: what, what, what was the car, uh, Crockett, Testarossa, yeah, test- yeah. oh, test- yeah. oh. so iconic.
1: We blocked off the whole highway and we couldn't see anything all of a sudden, boom. There it went, and it's like, oh, uh, I hope I got it in focus.
0: I mean, go, go. We could come back to this later, but going back to then, I mean, what was that? Probably like mid '80s, yeah. '85. I mean, doing that, and then if you had a, if you had a DP that scene today, how different would that be? Or has a lot
1: of it stayed the same? No, you see, what I've noticed too, because I had the fortunate for for 27, 28 years, I was a first assistant, and I worked up the ladder. The real hard way. When I was at six, I was working at my dad at 16. So we were the main rental house. We were the first rental house that was combined, and we had also the Panavision, uh dealership. So any jobs that would come down to to Florida, Pandavision would make it work out of our building. So we, that's how we got all these big movies that everybody knows and sees them on Netflix and, and on cable is because they came to Florida in those days and they rented from my dad. So not only would they rent from us, we would actually then put crew on there. And then I would go out and if I could pull getting out of school. And when I graduated from school, I didn't go to college. I went right to working, Mm -hmm. you know, as a rental manager. And we had, you know, sometimes 20 cameras going out a day. And this is all film. This wasn't, this is the, before the invent of of HD. So the 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 discipline that was there you just didn't walk in and say, give me a camera. If you weren't qualified or had the qualified enough people with it, we wouldn't even rent it to you. We'd have to give you a little screening because, you know, these cameras, when we bought them, you know, almost a million dollars, when you trick them out with the magazines and the video and all the accessories and, you know, bring it in from Europe and, you know, you can't have one. You, one is, you already know, have the backup and the backup then that's on a job and you need another one. And before you know it, one camera turns to five or six or eight models of that because people loved that model and it was popular so every time when we were out of cameras i couldn't he, my dad couldn't just look around and say well get it down the street there's no down the street we'd have to either go to you know get it from california or from new york and then otherwise he'd say bye you know and a lot of times so in the process of being the one-stop shop in my dad's mentality he didn't he wanted to train everybody in the in the company of everything being a specialized so you wouldn't have to send anything out to the to the manufacturers but it means you have to be there years you know you had to you know my my first before i went out it was like you know, six years i was in the shop like only in the shop mm-hmm. and then once somebody learns something later on they want to move on and then you lose that guy that has that skill and then your company suffers so my dad said like i'm going to send you now to go on all the things that we have to learn and then you come back and you teach our staff. So that's what I did. I was going to, I was, you know, I went to movie cam in Austria and I was there and I went to Zeiss and I went to cook and I went to Anjanew and, you know, teenager. And I'm around guys that are like, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And they're Teaching me, and I went to Panavision and learned there because at that time they were having these uh, dealer um, evaluations where they you sent two of your technicians from each one around the world that was a dealer, and then they they grade you. and We got we got a high grade because at that time I was good at that because I sat on the bench and I could you know I knew all the instruments and I could relate to that, and that was like my intro. Now using the gear and making beautiful images and stories and stuff, no. I don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. I know I know the mechanics of it. I know how to fix it. I know how to assemble it. I know when there's something wrong with it. I can put it all together so it matches. But then now to hand it to somebody who's creative and does something with it, that took many, many years of me going out as an assistant, working under these professional people and just being happy to be in the room with them because, you know, they have some three letters of ASC or something behind their name. And, you know, they've been around the world and you just, you just be quiet and you watch what they do and you steal with your eyes and, you know, you try to do the best you can. And that's by having that, you know, as being paid to go out and work someplace around the country, some world thing, you know, let's say, you know, Tony Scott or somebody like that. It's like, yeah, you know, people would give their left nut for that <laughs> and they would be like, I, I want that, you know? And that, that was, that was the neat thing that some of the things on my resume at the time when they came out, they were nobodies, you know, and you're on the set just like looking, saying, well, they, they, they're going to be a star because listen to that music. And then the next thing you know, they blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, we did Ricky Martin in Puerto Rico where I flew in. I got a phone call and, uh, you know, um, Crescenzo Naturale, an ASC cameraman that mm-hmm. did Gotham and he uh, does a lot of stuff. He called me. He says, look, you on a plane right now and come to Puerto Rico. We're filming a concert. And I was like, sure. For who? Ricky Martin. Who? You know, and then we went there and then after I saw the concert and it was insane. And I went, oh, this guy's going to be nuts. And then he came out on MTV and did the same song and he went crazy. And it was like, yeah, that's so funny. You know, I was there at that moment of that, you know, or having people that I, you know, it's everybody has an influence in their life. When you watch movies, and there's certain actors that I, for their role, I really love them, and I wanted to ever work with them. And then when you work with them, you have to be professional. But that little kid inside of you mm-hmm. goes, "Oh, but he's you know, he's Captain Kirk, or he's something like mm-hmm. that." And then when you meet him, and it's like, "Yeah, kid, I did that like a long time ago. Get 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 over that, you know. I did that like thirty years ago." And it's like, "Yeah, but you made an influence on me, you know." You
0: uh, you brought up a couple of great points. The one that really stood out to me is you really came up through a practical education in you know the craft of understanding. Any cameras and really parallels going back hundreds of years ago to like blacksmiths, to craftsmen. You know, you were an apprentice at 16 and you really learned. And I guess you could say, you know, you became the journeyman, then you became the master. Do you think that's something that's been lost? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, just with the, we've talked a little bit about the education system and, and that. So I don't want to get too off topic, but I, I saw your face light up you know when, when I asked that. So what, what can we as filmmakers, what can we do to kind of maybe change? Change the game and how to educate. You know, it's not always like you said. It's not grabbing the camera, being a creative. You need people that know how to how to fix the gear, how to operate the gear right. to keep things running.
1: I've noticed that in the time that we're now, Cindy Tech was open in 1968 in Miami. So we're now 52 years. it'll be 67. It was six, so it's 52 years. In that time, we've constantly had thousands of people come through our doors, and now they're professionals, and they're producers, and they're cameramen, and they're you know they they at one point they walked in and they were coming out of film school or okay. Miami Dade or University of Miami or Full Sail at that time they were they wanted to get a into the business and then it was like great you learned what you learned in school but now you got to learn how to deal with this when you're on set and that that was a it takes time I mean even I'm a pretty quick learner since I came from sports and martial arts you know my teacher would jump around and do some moves and then say now do it it'd be like oh and you'd have to just like say, you did it like so and then so i learned quickly but people don't always learn that way and i can look at manuals and understand you know schematics and you know pdfs of something and how to open something up because it's it's in me now but i had training for that people want to do it really fast now they want it cheap and they want to be able to do it good enough and in our time there was discipline on the set that when a director was going to be working with an actor and you're shooting in motion picture film you did a lot of rehearsals and you did everything so that everybody got it together. And then by the fourth rehearsal, uh, the director would say, okay, we're gonna do one now for real. And then, but nowadays you just turn on the camera and you leave it rolling and and you cut around all that stuff and you don't have to ever cut if you didn't want to. Right. Some jobs I do that. So that the the discipline was was been taken away and it's easy to shoot on something that you can see at the moment. But in film cameras, you didn't see it there. Sometimes the finders weren't even optical finders. They were a parallax finder. So you're looking through a little box that looks like a square. That's not even what the lens really sees. You have to develop that film and wait for three or four days and then go to the color transfer and then look at it and say, did I do a good job or did I mess it up? That's been missing. But now there's like a resurgence of film being like vinyls and over CDs and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and to me, it's everything's been trying to get a film look and I, and I have adapted. In fact, I've had to adapt. Otherwise I'd become a dinosaur. So I've been working for people that are in their twenties and thirties and they're my bosses. And, you know, I have to be humble enough to go and work on the gig because everybody's a cameraman because they just bought an affordable camera or they got a couple LED lights and they got drive and motivation and they they they're good for that but then if you now bring a celebrity that's got 50 years of being on set and you can't manage him correctly he's not gonna have respect for you I mean I've had directors that were first-time directors working for somebody who's a legend and the guy just goes I'm not gonna follow what you say I'm gonna do it my way I like my character would do it this way and there's no there's no respect enough to be able to say okay let's work around that and then the guy just does his own because he's like kid you don't even know what you're talking about and not a lot of people are humble enough to open up and say like I'm not really so experienced but everybody says I'm super I'm great look at my Instagram look at all this and it's like great good now go work with a celebrity and let's see if you get a good report right. you know and they doesn't walk off set and tell you're an idiot you know
0: <laughs> right and, and we, we talked with previous guests you know it's such a big difference between making a you know 10 20 even 30 second Instagram or TikTok to actually making a narrative
1: film and that uh, it's night and day it's like you're a psychologist because when you're when you're on a set with actors they all have their own tweak and even even celebrities even people that are like uh, filmmakers that are certain directors they want a certain way you know Oliver yep. Stone I've worked with him and he has a certain way Michael Bay has a certain way, you know, so
0: Michael Bay, just just blow it up. We're just gonna blow it up at, at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> if, if you can survive battle with him, you've accomplished something internal that you reached a, the like a level 10 on something hard because most people fall. And that's another thing is you know you, you wanna prepare yourself as much as possible and to replace your fear, you have to learn something. So if the little square box of film like an, is scary to you, you have to actually desensitize yourself by going and touching it and doing it until it becomes nature to you. And that's what we would do in in, in the early days was if somebody wanted to work for me, I'd say, okay, come with me, work as my second, work as my PA, do what I do, um, follow it. And uh, there's a procedure and, you know, then you would train somebody and it would be a couple of years you would do that. Nobody wants to spend a couple of years learning something. And now they want to go back to film. So I've been working with people that are way younger than me and they're like, hey, I want to really do this on film. And I'm like, yeah, I did this before you were even born. You know, I did this with guys that are dead now. You know, I, I know the origin. I mean, I had to pull focus on with no video tap, with no optical finder, just by taking my hand on the, on the lens and then running a tape measure and having to do it that way. I mean, the technology has gotten so advanced, but what I tend to notice is emotion. If a director comes to me and wants me to, like, if I had to say my skill now of, of working in the shop and working and repairing things and then going out on the set and working from a technician to a loader to a second assistant to a first assistant to a camera operator to a second unit dp to a first unit dp finally all that ladders is that everybody comes to you with a but they want to have a certain style Mm -hmm. and you have to emulate that so if you didn't work with that person then you need to contact them or find some article that would tell you how they did it or pick their brain because we're expected sometimes as a cameraman to say hey i like this thing and you see something you're like yeah that's blade runner you know (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't think you have the budget for that and the crew to do that but we can get something maybe like this with these kinds of lights or maybe something like this style with this way and by being around for so long i have different versions of how you skin that cat you know if you've got you know a thousand people that we can do this and no no money's not an option. we could do it this way if it's the other way then we have to be very creative and you know frugal and then there's other options of let's say because I know the gear what's out there it's like yeah that's the most expensive thing to get but that one over there is half the price and you would never know the difference and it's really good
0: everything you just said is just like my mind how many different roles? you know second AC first AC you know DP and on that but as you talked about you know really your job is kind of help you know, bring the directors vision to life you know they said I want this and you can say well your budget's doesn't allow that but we can do this and that's a great jumping off point for what we're going to dive into in the next segment but first we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back We are back. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast. Again, I am joined by cinematographer Egon Stefan Jr. Egon, whenever I want to stress someone's expertise on a topic, I like to use the phrase, they've forgotten more than I know. Uh, you alluded a little bit to that before, but I would definitely say that when it comes to cinematography and cameras in general, you have definitely forgotten more than I know and probably a lot of our audience. So let's you know, the camera's ready to go, or your equipment's ready, the script is done, they've just brought you on to a production as the cinematographer. Talk about, like, the cinematography as a craft, and, like, from day one, how it begins.
1: From my experience of working under people that I really respect and I learned a lot from, they They do a lot of planning and a lot of homework. Sometimes it's, like, months of work before they even begin something, so you do a lot of tests, in, in the days of film, you would shoot test because today you see what you see is what you get. You see a monitor and you see exactly how it's going to look. In our day, we had to we had to develop it and then wait a couple of days and see if that if that was going to be the right look. Or if we pushed or pulled the the, the stock or we use a certain type of film in there so when a director comes to a cameraman um, a lot of times they don't know or have the experience of how to physically move all this around and what to order and what's the option so that's kind of like the more you know the better you can have offer suggestions and then the more you work and be in that environment and feel comfortable with the equipment the better that you can feel to offer suggestions that would actually happen because by being a camera assistant, working under a lot of people, you are, somebody else is paying the bill and you're learning what worked and what didn't, you know, we did everything from filming diapers to filming music videos and big movies. And sometimes the best plan you have doesn't really work out, but then you find a way. So then the next time you ever do that, you can say, yeah, yeah, I was here before, but you know, I can do it this way better and it'd help you out. So most of the time it's trying to get in the person's head and trying to see what's best for the film. Like the, I think the cinematographer is in charge of mainly the running the set and keeping the integrity of the vision of the director. And it might be whether they have the budget or not, and have another way to do something. You know, it's not just one way to film something. You know, we were constantly referenced by people giving me swatches of paintings or colors or clothing or, or some mood. And they say, look, I like this, but with my product. And then you try to find a way, if you don't know the equipment, you don't know what to order. And if you don't know the guy to bring out with you that would know that and set it up, it's a lost art. You know, in my day, you did training for that. Even if you worked in lighting and grip, you were there for again, years, you know, you'd be working with all the gear and different scenarios and how to take that light and how to diffuse it or bounce it or what looks better with what's stock at what distance and and what lens and what angle of that. And then this lens flares and this one doesn't, that's all, practice i mean and not necessarily on on the clock you know you would go in and and go to a rental house and be there just you know learning it until you feel comfortable people would say oh, i want to learn mags how to load mags and you say okay here's the mags and do it until your fingers bleed you know it's for true i mean you got to get you got to get your hands dirty and these days is what you see is what you get you can manipulate it but the art would be that when the director says what do you think and you'd say come over here and look in the eyepiece and he would look through an optical eyepiece and then you could see something these days everybody looks at monitors and you've got 20 people giving you opinions it's not going to look like that is it or why is that too hot is that my color red is not that red and you're like yeah that's uh," and you have to click to raw and say look it will be fine but in the other day of film you have to trust the cameraman he's on the job because he's already passed those tests of are you good enough for this job or can you do it it's like you're past that point now you're at the point of i need to surround myself with the most qualified people to pull off what i need to do and the schedule that we need to do it in and by working with a lot of movies there was a time that i did all movies so right when you get on almost off one movie you jump on another one so my life was like movies 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 and then i said okay i need to be i want to be home a little bit more and then it became like um commercials and round the clock you know sometimes i wouldn't even sleep and go on another commercial and i wouldn't even ask what we we're doing i'd just be there and go oh oh it's dog food today okay <laughs> and you would just do that and then it would be okay we're going to go on concert and film janet jackson or warrant or any of these heavy metal bands and you'd be like okay where are we going texas okay <laughs> you know and <laughs> and then uh you know by but by, by being in those scenarios and by being in all the meetings and then also going and following the path of that film at the lab and talking to the people there and seeing the 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 dailies and then seeing what it can be done afterwards, I would realize what I can get away with. And then by beautiful accidents, what was amazing. And I'd be like, Oh, I want to do that for a spot specifically, you know, like something like Natural Born Killers or something like Man on Fire or Domino when you're doing like hand cranking and you got to commit to that. And a lot of people, they give me something and say, you know, I had a guy which <laughs> I wish love him, but we were doing a commercial for Sunset, and he sends me FedEx tape of Blade Runner. And I go, We're filming a newspaper, but you want me to look make a Look like Blade Runner, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, so I ordered the xenons and I ordered all the stuff, and of course, I set up the house. and They all came in, and the crew looked at the, the uh brass, looks at that, and he goes. Yeah, what are you doing? We're doing newspaper. And it was like, Yeah, but you gave and look, I mean, look at the swatch. This compared to this, this is exactly Blade Runner. Look at that. That's that's looking just like it. And he goes, Yeah, we gotta we gotta lighten it up a little bit more. And before you know it, it's not it's no longer Blade Runner, it's now just a regular commercial. But they didn't commit right sometimes. People commit, and no matter how crazy it is, you have to go with it because the director feels it strongly and the cameraman feels it strongly. Some people might not get the idea of it, but when they see it come together, they're like, You're genius. But they they came up with that in their head. Part of when you're filming, you have to think like nonlinear, so if you're film you're not filming things in one two three four order you might be doing the last part of the movie first and the hardest part of the movie second and then it changes around so we try to remember what shots we have and i try to think in my head do we have everything do you have the cutaway do you have the reverse do you have the you know the things that you're going to need in, in direct in the in, in the director needs and editing that you if you didn't film it you can't add it so i try to give them options and try to think and sometimes they don't think that way but in my world i I've trained myself to be visual. So everywhere I go, I have a camera. Every time I look at something, I see light coming in I see composition and it's just part of my style. Even when I just set something up, I'll stand there and go, look, 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 this is a great shot, right? Mm -hmm. at This moment. People don't look at that. So if you find something that you love to do and you don't know what part of it is, you still have to put in the time to do it. You still have to go there and work under somebody better than you. So then, and then apply that and they don't need to be your motivator. You got to be your motivator. You know, you want to learn something, you come in there and you say, look, it's not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to hate me we're going to be like some we're going to be behind the clock and they're going to lose their mind and you're going to never want to work with me again but you know you're going to realize that nothing's personal when you're out there you're just in battle in some ways it's easy and sometimes it's like i can't believe i got through this and then you still love the person that you're doing and you try to keep it under control but you know people when it's hundred thousand dollars a minute going on the clock of burn rate they look at you and they're like what are we waiting on and i go um the guy's loading the mag or the video we just lost video and and you know in those days you know, we didn't have video you know we were doing jobs that you know had no video assist on there you had to look through the camera
0: are there I'm sure there have been times where you know a director just, just wants something and you try to explain to them, it's not going to work, not going to, and eventually you just say, you know what, I'll just do what you want yes. and, and you have to own it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And before I used to be a little bit more stronger where I would just say, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. But then now I just, I only offer if you ask and if you don't, then we'll do it your way. And when if it doesn't and you ask me, what's wrong with this? I go, well, first of all, that's all wrong. Put this in first, but I'm not going to jump all over you because- that's your moment that's your moment that you think you have it down and I'm trying to give you the look but we're not getting that look because the scene after this now we had to do high speed so those lights you just made me put up you know I need to know uh, three more stops hotter to compensate for the for the 120 frames a second we're going to do so now we have to take everything down for another two hours and re-rig new light that wasn't really smart I would have done that at the beginning I would have rigged it up and just put them on dimmers and then just did it like that oh we go high speed bring them up but you know sometimes you just have to go with their you know how they are and um, offer it on only when they ask you kind of thing and if there's somebody we have a good form of communication like a marriage I can call you at any time and day and night and you normally it happens that way and we get an idea in our head we talk it out when we talk it out and we talk it out amongst the group because It's not just me and the director. Now, the producer is like, Well, how much is this going to cost me? And then, where are we going to find it? Do we got to fly it in? Is it local? And then, Wait, 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 I need a permit for that. And we, oh, how many cars are we going to have? Oh, we got four trucks. We're going to shoot at this location. It's all, it's a domino effect. Being a filmmaker before, I used to be just like, I want to be one thing. But then, after now, working in a rental house, working on the set, seeing different departments, and actually working in different departments like gaffing or, or rigging, because I'm a rock climber. It's like I was into that kind of thing. And, you know, I love that knots. And you find something that that you like to do the more you do it and the more comfortable you feel that it is always the best way and it's it's you got to practice it find some platform or somebody that can take you into the wing and practice it or you fake it until you make it and you just shoot the stuff and then somebody says I love it until it gets above your your skill level
0: and, and I'm glad you mentioned the different departments Um, you talk cinematographer and director of photography and a lot a lot some people use those terms interchangeably some people are no, they're two two different things um you know as a department head you know, as as a DP, you're also a leader and a manager, managing personalities, managing workers. Talk talk a little bit about that. Have it actually manage people that if you want to be successful at this, it's not just learning the camera.
1: Yeah. In my day now working in the shop, the gear to never talks back, you never comes in drunk. The gear never has a <laughs> problem that yells at you and tells you go to hell. It's the people. It's always been that difficult thing, how to keep people and how to keep people happy and then how to use them. And that's, they never last forever. Unless you've got somebody that's your child or something They you know, you have a time we were with them and then they move on a different circle of stuff. I've, it's kind of a, a tough thing to to find people that stay with you for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And if you if you put them under somebody that's better than them and you're you're willing to put in the time and ask a lot of questions and then take a lot of notes and then do things on your own too, like not where I have to force you to do it. There's certain cinematographers that are just going to stand by the monitor and they're going to direct everybody what to do, like mm-hmm. the director of photography. They're not operating the camera. They're not lighting the thing. They're sitting with the director and they have a little microphone and they tell them what to do. I could do that, but that's not my thing. My right. thing's because I've come from engine room. I'm the guy that always wants to help somebody else out. So if you're dragging a cooler across the beat, that's not my job, but you're dragging it. I can run over real quick and pick up the mm-hmm. other side and pull it across with you and we're done. You know, if we're going to wrap most of the time, you know, the they say, okay, we're a wrap. And the cameraman says, see ya. And they walk away and I'm like 2000 feet of cable laid out. Mm-hmm. we got all these lights. we got all this stuff. I got to help these guys because, you know, they, I'm the one who created it, the, the illusion of what we're doing and now I got to help them take it down so knowing the gear and knowing how to do it properly people come over and go hey can I help you I'm like okay can you can do you know how to wrap cable do you know how to do it and then they like wrap it like they're doing a you know extension cord over their arm I'm like no, oh no 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 no." no. <laughs> so it, that's why I saw there's a need to bring people and if you put in the time I'll give you the I'll give you the skills on this is like a uh, one way to do it and now if you can like do it enough times you find a faster way cool. That's great for you. But it is what I've gotten to the point that if you can do it without looking at it, because I'm telling you to the point that I actually, when I'm teaching somebody and they want to learn how to do a a magazine, most of the time you're doing it in the dark, Mm -hmm. if you're doing film, Uh, but you practice on the light, threading it up on the camera or pretty much i blindfold you and i hand you and you tell me what it is you know it could be a knob you hold it and go that's for a joker 400 i can go walk in my building of all the gear from now equipment from 1940s to today and you hand it to me in my hand and i'll tell you exactly what it is because tactilely i've touched it a million times you know i'm i've been getting it together to go out and give it to a client and then sometimes they're hiring me to go out with that to to play with it as a client and use it so i i try to get you to the level that you don't have to think about it you know and operating. Some people, you know, we used to operate and still do in major shows with a geared head, with wheels, that pan left and right. That's not taught anymore. That's not kind of common anymore. But, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was I was like on a job where I got hired and I had to do for like 18 hours nonstop, operate that geared head Mm -hmm. on a remote head on a concert. And by the time I I was, I mean, I I didn't pee. I I didn't sit down. I stand up the whole time and at the end, I was like, that I I got it down now. Keep put me in that thing and I can follow a fly. You know what I mean? It's like after doing it so much, that muscle memory, that's where you need to be at because Mm -hmm. then most of the time you want to do things as fast and as efficient as possible and not making any damage or, or injury to anybody around you or the equipment. Like it should go out the same way it comes back in. But you need to have some type of training to know do's and don'ts of what you do and most people don't really have that and they just want to grab something and take it out there and then you did you think about rain did you think about the mosquitoes you think about that we're going to shoot me the water you know all these things that you learn over time to ask the right questions and your kit becomes Mm -hmm. vast there used to be a screwdriver and now it's five action packers but that just tells you how much you've the more you learn the more stuff you need to carry with you because if they say the motor's broken can you fix it well i need more tools so if i'm going to play that role. I can fix it. I got to bring that just in case. And, uh, you know, I, from, as a kid, I was a boy scout. So I kind of like throw me in the middle anywhere and I should be able to survive always be prepared always be prepared
0: going back to working with directors i'm sure there's there's directors that are more hands-on that you know really want to micromanage every shot and the other extreme have you worked do you have relationships and have worked with directors who are basically like egon you know i trust you you know set this up let me know when you're ready and we'll shoot it
1: yes most of the time in our business even when i recommend somebody who hasn't worked with somebody else they're hesitant because a lot of this is a people business you have to you know meet the person and work with the person to say yes I would take you out of, in, out of the country or take you to some place they if not they are hesitant because people can lie and then you get in there and it's like a lot of money spent so that prove yourself there's always a proving ground and then who did you work or learn under and then how aggressive are you at going and, and trying to get that kind of work if you just sit back and wait for the white rhino to walk in your front of your living room it's not going to happen you have to go hunt it you know you have to go you know if you're spending time you got to go where those people hang out, so the directors would be hanging out at screenwriting places. they were going to be going over and and having readings. They're going to be going over and doing tests. Can I just be there for the test? And you don't have to pay me. I just want to be there. And you start seeing all the things that come into place, and you're like, wow, I'm seeing a bigger picture of than just my little part that I have to learn. But that's really important because those people are going to look at me and they're going to say, Egon, go out there and shoot time lapse of a sunrise. And I will say. How do you want it left to right, up and down? Where's the ball going to go? And you get all that down and then they let you go. And then you go and you bring back what you've been told. That, that only happens if they really trust you and you are constant at keeping, proving yourself of getting it right.
0: You, uh, you mentioned earlier, one of your first jobs was you were loading mags on a helicopter on a James Bond movie. Aerial helicopter shots have almost gone completely the way of drone footage. What what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that drones, I mean, they, they look beautiful, they can capture a lot, but it seems like there's a little bit of the realism
1: missing. Yeah. Well, uh, Tyler camera systems they still we still rent those cameras uh, those mounts they actually fit on certain helicopters that you have to be FAA approved and you you install it onto there and you actually have a gyro stabilizer type of thing on it and gun handles and your thumbs do zoom in and zoom out and your fi- your fingertips do focus in and focus out and another button hits record my dad was very good at doing all that so mm-hmm. when people would come down here and do movies they would either do title sequences and they would have my father and he would go and get Al Guthrie or somebody that from here, with an A star, and they would land the helicopter in our parking lot. We would install the mount there, right in downtown Miami, and off they would go, and they would do filming. And then, of course, I was always my dad's assistant. And sometimes he would say, "If it wasn't dangerous, you have to fly with me. And if it is, I'm not going to have you do that." What happens when you're manning a camera anytime is that you have that. It's like riding a bull. You know, the helicopters have to fly a certain way to get a certain type of shot. And in doing so, you feel the G forces, and you have to stabilize yourself, and you're able to go into like a two 250 millimeter lens and get a detail but if you're like all over the place and your horizon is off and you know you're out of focus you're not going to get many chances of going up there because it's very expensive and fuel and all that happening today's drones they're really slick and they move around and stuff but they're not giving you the same thing that you have when you want to rig up a camera and let's say follow here in Florida we have boat races so they're going to do a boat race where you can only fly a certain amount of time and you have to land and boats go pretty fast so you need a fast helicopter so maybe a twin star that's going to be able to go that hundred and something miles an hour. And you're not going to land. You're going to have a guy in the back there that's going to be either feeding you cards on right. a digital or they're going to be feeding you magazines. And you're you're going to have to like film that. And it's still around. We have people from the military and people from the Coast Guard that actually rent those mounts because they have to go out in the middle of the ocean and shoot a lot of stuff. And that's not something that drones can do so well because you have to have a, a boat that, you know, a support boat that's going to fly it up and the batteries only last a certain amount of time. And you're not going to be putting big cameras or big lenses on there it's only going to be kind of tiny so it has its place like anything that we have as gear but sometimes doing it more organically looks better, and people have gotten acclimated to like I don't know, like feeling something different. You know, you're watching like an Avenger movie, and at the end, an End Game. There's so much going on, I can't even focus on it. It's so much going on, you know. And and you kind of it kind of waters it down when it's a more sometimes a little more simple but uh, dramatic. Uh, you've got a memory of We've that. We've
0: talked on previous podcasts about the uh, sacrificing story for spectacle, yeah. and how that's been lost, and really. You know, when we talk about aero shots from helicopters that's really something that you have to learn by doing, you know, that th- th- right. there's no th- right. there's no other way and that's a great jumping off point because in the next segment I really want to talk about some of the exciting things you're doing to educate the next generation of filmmakers, bringing it back to that film, some very exciting stuff uh, so we're going to take a quick break but before that we would like to thank two of our partners that helped make this podcast possible, tech, who's been a mainstay of the film industry since 1968, providing equipment, support and training and ComTV who offers consulting and production services for a wide wide range of entertainment. This is Howard Brand. You're listening to the Cinema Pathway Podcast. We'll be right back. We are back with Egon Stephan Jr. Egon, we started off the episode talking about your upbringing, your rather unique education as a cinematographer uh you're working on some some really exciting stuff right now you're giving back you're educating the next generation of filmmakers and really your your mantra for this is you refuse to let film die i think is a good way to put it so uh let's
1: talk about that there has been now a resurgence to shooting on 16 super 16 film and some 35 and there's still some main things that we still watch that are actually done that way the old days you could go and learn that in school and they haven't been teaching that in any schools for quite a long time because when kodak had gone back in the day and became bankrupt a lot of people just like some people threw their cameras away like threw them away and went to digital and says you know we're never going to do that again i couldn't do that because these are like old friends of mine, if, those, if, the, if the gear inside my shop or my dad's shop could talk, they could tell you stories of famous times and famous people of filming famous things. So I've held on to all that and also all the tech instruments to keep them maintained. So the depth and the ground glass and the scratch testing and all of that, you have to have special instruments to do that. And a lot of people these days are buying things and cameras affordably, film cameras off of eBay or something. And then unless you have some experience to keep it on the road, so to speak, because you could make them, it could be messed up. And then everything you shot was, you know, not good. And it's really key ingredient now is that you have to really know what you're doing. And since I see there's a a gap there, I'm trying to give back to whoever's interested in that is to do these programs where we can take you in and pretty much like, learn like I did you know you're gonna have a pile of gear in the room and for the next eight hours all you're gonna do is do that thing you're going to you know there's like maybe 200 400 city cam mags thousand foot mags per camera model and there could be four or five of them and you know we're gonna set for one day and for eight hours we're gonna rotate around and do every single one of those magazines of all those main cameras that are still being used today. So that at the end you walk away with like, I can live max, you know, for real. And here's, here's the paperwork on how to keep your totals and your film inventory and all the stuff that I did as a second assistant actually give them that thing. And then the very next day is going to be another eight hours of taking that and actually applying them to the cameras and then learning how to, operate all the features of those cameras. So I've I've been working with people and they'll ask me to put something on the camera. And if you know the camera, you look over and you say, "Uh, that doesn't go that fast. Oh yeah, sure it does. And like, no, I know I can take this camera apart. It does only 60 frames. You're thinking about the high speed one that is 120. That's not this one. So, you know, if you know the stuff, then you're also assisting in the people that you're working for, they might have a great idea. They might say, I want to put this camera on a 15 degree shutter and get a Saving Private Ryan look. And you go, yeah, it doesn't go that low. this one will only do like 45 degrees right and they're like no 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 for sure i was like yeah or sometimes they're and i say good show me where, where how to do that and they can't find it and i go it doesn't exist oh, you know so you gotta trust me that's why i'm here you know I'm here <laughs> to make you look good you know and to keep it smooth so to actually learn that you need a place that actually has that experience that has that equipment all in one shop and i have all that it's not it's not the mainstream stuff right now everything is more hd but there's cameras that i have that are hand crank mitchells that i have two perf uh technoscope Um, hand crank uh, two C's with PL mounts and everything, but they're not gonna be all tricked out with HD video taps. You know, some of them don't even have a video tap, but then do you really need that if you're gonna create a certain look and do a certain thing? If you're spoiled and only had like, you know, certain way, then yes. But if you're doing it for the effect of the film or the shot that you're trying to do, you get the best you can get, and then if you have something that's maybe 40 years old, it's not gonna have all the newest thing on there, mm-hmm. but it's gonna still give you something amazing. So to, to, to learn that and to and to get people to feel comfortable with that, I need to do workshops with that, and I need to bring you in, and I don't need any more practice. <laughs> I, I need to I need to have people surrounded me that I can call on, that I can rely on, that I can send out on, that I give a, a sign of approval, and they feel that I'm passing it on to them, some knowledge that at some point I'm not gonna be here anymore. You know, I wanna do from here on out. Everything we do is gonna be recorded because you know when i'm gone the knowledge dies with me, you know, I'm the last of my kind that still, you know, fights for showing them on a job with a geared head and I don't need it, but I know I can operate it with my eyes closed, literally with my eyes closed. You know, I can do things with my eyes closed because I'm fanatical that I train myself that way. If we find people that are in the, a lot of people might come forward and say, I want to do that. And, you know, to give them a, a platform to not be afraid, not, not damage something on the set and environment that mm-hmm. you're surrounded by people that have seen it all. And and then pass that on it's something that i think is been asked of me to do and i want to do it on a bigger scale like on a grander scale like there's to, to a point that it's happening at least once a month uh, or maybe even more times that there's going to be different ways of training when my father gave me the film camera my first film camera and he said I'm a, i can't give you a, a motion picture camera because i gotta first see if you can take a picture good and he, he said you have 36 exposures now go out and shoot lines today out and shoot vertical lines and then the next day horizontal lines now go out there and shoot sunrises and sunsets and i would shoot a whole roll of that bring it back develop it show it to him and he'd go he'd look at them and goes sucks 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 and then in time he would stop and go oh this is a good one. and he would put it down And out of 36 i got one good so my mission was i want all 36 to it. i want to have a little bag of gems so he would critique me and i would have to bury my ego and say well oh, but it was this. i don't care i'm just looking at the image the image is you know you could have been a little bit lower you could have been a little bit wider you could have been a little bit different and you know and make me think that and then go out there and do it again do it again do it again so i i kind of learned pretty good that way i want to pass that kind of on to different people because we get you know we get these things when we're doing dexter we get a whole list of things and says okay we have to see dexter over the shoulder looking out towards the beach uh, dexter driving down the highway going this way this happening here him looking at the cell phone and you have a list of these specific things and sometimes you're giving uh, an image or you watch some video of the scene that just happens right before that or at that point of that cutaway and you have to recreate that you recreate that very technically by the lensing by your inclinometer and all these tools that are not really used so much these days because a lot of people don't know that there even is a tool for that or how how to do it and then by educating them on that because i i'm not just going to say this is how you use the camera and this is just the beginning part of like the mags and stuff to get you work to get you out there but there's going to be the point of you need to learn how to take it apart because you're going to be in the jungle like i was and then something happens and they look at you and they and we're in brazil and they're like what are we going to do and i said give me an hour and i was known to be able to take apart the thing and then fix it and i become the hero for the day because you're not going to fly another one in from the jungle you You have to make do you know we have been on boats and something happened and i said "Mm." i'm in the hotel room and i'm making some i actually made a a protective switch that was a waterproof underwater housing one that got torn, and I made it out of a condom to cover it up. I mean, you you find these little tips and tricks, and other people that when you're the name of the game is got to the show must go on. You got to get it done. And when a department fails and something happens and a technical problem, you got to make it fixed as fast as possible. And I think that's my unique skill has been working so much in technical and working and demystifying the scary little box that we nobody opened the four screws. And when you do. We go, look, it's just three, three wires, you know, and they go, oh, and then the next time when something goes wrong, you think maybe that's when he told me that those little wires get loose when you knock it around and then you plug it in. And now I I passed on something that I learned that you're Mm going to save your day. So that's kind of the idea of this. I don't want to just be talking and showing you films and stuff, but as this progresses, I'd I'd like to do what is done to me. They give me a little bunch of clips of a video and they say, make it look just like this, but for my toothpaste. Mm -hmm. So then I'd love to set up something and say to everybody, here's the image of what is out there. whatever great movie scene in that. Now I want you to duplicate that for this pancake and give somebody the ability to now use the lights and do it and set it up to where you finally... Figure out your values. You know, it can't just be one to one contrast ratio. A lot of times, you want to make it moody. You don't want all the light on the face. You want just Rembrandt with a little piece of the light, or I want them silhouette, and I just want a cutting edge on the side, or I want to use a split diopter and make this in focus and that in focus too, like like Citizen Kane, and the, and I have all that stuff. I have that stuff from I have things that are from the 1940s that still work. It's not just it's museum stuff. I mean, my stuff work, and to maintain it, you got to oil it and grease it, and you know, once you know it, like an old car. It's just now passing it on to somebody else. Only the people of my age or that actually have been doing that know what I have. And they'll call me up and say, ship this. Like one of my cameras I had to ship for out to Canada for the originals, which was, uh, I think, from Vampire Diaries for the effect of the monster and the the vampire to do his thing. They needed my camera. And there was only like three in the world. And it was like I had one and it was like sitting on my shelf. It was like ready to work, like not just like here's a little great prop piece. People call me all the time and they "What prop. And I go, yeah, it don't work. So, I mean, if I send it out there, I got to send the system with you because you're not going to know how to set up that head. You're not going to know how to set up that bulb and that light. And that light takes two people to pick it up because it's a 24K uh, tungsten. A lot of people don't use hot lights. People nowadays, they, they go the cheapest way possible and the most easy way, which would be an HD camera and some LED light. But now if you have to do a bigger scale and you want some velvet light and some motions, you have to mix color temperatures and you have to mix values of light. And being a lighting cameraman is not just being a cinematographer. A lighting cameraman has experience maybe as being a gaffer that then bumped up to to be a cameraman so you can't fool him you know he's gonna sit there and go yeah I think I need a 18k coming from that window and they go no no we're just, just a sky panel you're like dude it's not gonna work I know that's not gonna work I've done that before it doesn't work but you know that's something that if you've never played with that in my place I have that it's right there on stands ready to go plug that in I have a generator plug it in this is what a you know a 12k par Sunray looks like and this is the different lenses you can use and this is a spread you can use and there's apps that we have that we can then look and you know I use it all the time especially tie and sun and mm-hmm. and uh, how much running time and how much drive space we need and all those things and but I think to be a filmmaker it's all about learning and about experience so you have to be in it cool. you can't just do it by you know reading a book you know you have to and I have a lot of books and at some point that's part of the I'm gonna give you 30 gigs of PDFs and I'm gonna expect you to read all of that but at the time you need to get muscle memory and you need to be able to visualize it in your head and that's part of what we do is we have to be able to you, the director tells me something and you look at the blank wall and you say I can see that being purple and green with a shaft of yellow you have to have that kind of opened up to that and then the producer will say how much is gonna cost me so now you gotta wear the other hat and say all right I can't get a super crane, but I'll get a Jimmy Jim and we'll do it this way in two takes and then you you know you you have that option be able to doing that and the only way I know that is from being under people that have been doing it and showed me a different way and I went oh I didn't even know that was even possible so I want to pass the same thing on to different people but I and I and but it's gonna be quite that they be dedicated and I can't, uh, I can't do it for you.
0: Right. I, th- I think, you know, a couple of things, you know, among the many, many great points is the uh, boils down to uh, the best way to learn filmmaking is making films. Uh, but the the workshops, how how are they going to be structured? Will they be weekends? Will they be week long?
1: Trying to blend it with everybody else's schedule. I originally want to do a three-day workshop because normally I learned that by day three, when you're on a real job is Finally, when you're getting it, and then and then the commercial's over. And if you work on a movie, it's the first week you're you're in the groove. You know, it takes maybe the last day you're already in it.
0: It's like when you play golf; you play lousy for 17 holes. All of a sudden, the 18th hole kicks sure. in.
1: So if I only if I only did it one class for a few hours, and then a month later did another class, you never even learn anything. You know, it's not really realistic. I need to. I need to submerge you in it until you look at me and go, can I have a break please? Cause my finger's raw or mm-hmm. my brain is full. And it's like, sure. You know, that's, that's the level of, I think has to be given out to matter that each person walks away and feels like, they learn something for real right. not just i just spent time at something and then also will weed out the people that are serious because honestly i can't teach you how to do this in two days anyway right. i i gotta teach you like you gotta you gotta be my shadow to some point you gotta every time i have a prep you gotta come in and do it i gotta keep you on the on the little list once i see that you're for real and say we have a little small job tonight you want to come out and work it like you're gonna do sound and then people will say no i'm just gonna do this it's like dude you gotta do everything you know you might have to load the truck too you might have to go and, and and run run that power to that light. You know, you might have to change that bulb. You might have to go in. Look, it doesn't matter. You know, you
0: welcome to indie filmmaking.
1: You, you know, indie filmmaking, I've done some of my best work on it, but yeah. it makes you think because you know, you gotta say, how many people do I need and how <laughs> dedicated are you? We're gonna work all night building that set outside in the parking lot. Okay, you gotta be for real. Some people don't know how to drill. They don't know how to use power drills. They don't even know how to build a set. They don't even know how to use different effects when you're doing like product work. And you got to, you got to put them around it. You got to get them to do it. And that's my point is I want it to be mainly hands-on. I'll basically show everybody whatever we're going to be doing at one moment, one way, and I'll have it recorded, you know, or maybe over the top and film it right. Like detail without seeing my face and then time it because I think, Accuracy versus time is very important. And then I'll say, okay, that took me, let's say 45 seconds to load that mat. Now you do it. Okay, now we did it and it took you 20 minutes. Now you know, mm-hmm. 45 seconds to 20 minutes. Now do it for the next, every hour, I'm gonna rotate you to another another magazine, another camera. Then we're gonna come back to the beginning and you're gonna tell me how fast and efficient that you did it and feel mm-hmm. comfortable with. And there you know your range because guys that are be better than me can do it even faster. And it's not like I'm trying to make them do it fast. I'm just trying to make it so it happens second nature. You don't have to think about putting on your clothes. You know, you shouldn't be thinking about, you should be able to be distracted and still build a camera and still line up a shot and still do lights and do multitasking on different levels and be able to handle stress because when people get stressed and the site gets stressed, you get nervous and people get, you know, either, either fight or flight, you know, and you, there's a middle way. You have to become, uh, the more you freak out, the more I have to be calmer because nothing's going to happen, right? Unless we have to get that last shot, you know, of the day, and then you got one take in there, and yeah, you're going to go and do something amazing. But then those are times that I did where I loaded something or did a shot or pulled off a shot pulling focus that was one in a million shot to be in focus, and right. I nailed it because you're trained at that level. If you if you if you have the opportunity, there's not many places where you can go and have all this equipment to do it. So in one building, it's there. Now you got to go and say. I today I want to do that all right if we have not a workshop day on that come on in go in the corner there and do that all day it's not going to hurt my feelings I just want you to get better at it where you feel comfortable when I get a call from somebody and they say I need this guy who do you recommend I don't want to recommend somebody that they're going to call me afterwards and say what did you give me this guy for you know I say he doesn't know anything he's all green he's all talk and I don't want to be in that position nor do I want that person to fail so I have to regulate on what I think your level is at and then I can bring you higher but it's going to require an on ongoing thing and then homework that you would do and you got to be passionate about this because it's not it's not I don't really think of it as a job job I think it's almost like it's we get to play with things and people and somebody's fitting the bill and afterwards you're going to see it and you're going to love it
0: it goes back to how you started it's it's an apprenticeship yeah well that and I really love the fact and we had a previous guest talk about that film educators don't necessarily isn't limited to just like film school professor there's so many people out there like you that really just just want to give back really really want to train the next generation and, and train them right. You know, not just like, Hey, here's, give me a few hundred bucks, you know, for a couple of hours and then go on your way. It sounds like you're really dedicated to really making sure they,
1: they know as much as you up to now. I was giving all my classes since 2007 that we would be doing this at, at, at CVT for free but then you know they, to get people to come at that time every week you know you start off with 7 or 10 people and then by the end of the week you got one or two and it's like I'm not gonna take all that experience I've learned and all that time unless you're my kid and I, I'm gonna teach you as my child right. to put into that I need to I need to get a group of people to make it worthwhile so that I can bring in other professionals not just me that can tell you the same thing and help me out with that mm-hmm. and then I, we got to do it on a regular basis where like last night I was on the phone with Romeo Taroni cameraman and also a director for Manifest, and we were just talking. And you know, we, we actually recently lost a, a mentor of ours that passed away. And we were you know just talking like regular people, but in on the set he's God. You know, it's like you know you have you have, you look at the episode, you can ask him anything, and he can tell you that. You know, and that's what's great about you know being able to lean on somebody is you're not going to know everything, but I know somebody that knows a lot. Let me make a phone call, and I I'm sometimes that guy that people call a lot. You know, it's not even my gear. It's not even my my problem, and they're saying, "Look, I'm having this. Do you know what the problem is?" And I go, "Oh yeah, that's a blah 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 blah." And normally, you'd pay somebody for that advice. Now, as it goes on, I have to charge something, but I'm trying to find out the the middle way because there are people that are passionate that don't have any money, and then there are people that are have money, but they're more posers. And you know, I I kind of make something that originally I wanted three days, then everybody talked me down to two days, but then it has to be more frequent, and I they wanted me to do it for two hours. I said, "No, it's got to be eight hours with a one hour lunch because you." really there are eight stations i don't want to jip you for the time you need to learn if you if you take an an hour to do something good you know i'm not giving you like you know look at it and touch it you know and walk away if you afterwards need to learn some more we bring you in you learn some more i want to make it i want to build a tribe so to speak and i want to i want to build enough people that we could go anywhere and do anything and i don't have to think about that they don't have the saddle time for that and then the jobs themselves will teach you things because once you even know the gear and you oh yeah this is this goes this is now we put you where well, you haven't slept for two days yep. and we're on forced calls and you're tired and we didn't get our, we didn't have our meal penalty, mm-hmm. you know, we're, and you still got to do it, you know, and now, oh, it's raining. Okay. Well, we, you have a million dollar force of equipment out here. I hope you covered it up. I hope you put on your rain gear, you know, all that kind of stuff wow. is I want to develop it, that it's more than just the camera and the lens and the lighting. It's overall you change because you have to be, if you look at the old pictures of the black and white of Karaman they were ties and they they were certain type of suit and certain type of attire and then as you see it goes on if you're if you're in the middle of somewhere and you don't have the luxury of having carts with you you have to have backpacks on you you have to have a belt a tool belt that's probably going to weigh 25 pounds and you know you're going to have all your things that you can grab and it's developing that kind of mentality that so if you're going to be somewhere and you're going to be doing that kind of work let's talk about the things that might encounter so that you have an option and you don't you don't look bad and you look good for everybody. And a lot of times you can't just have one because you think the director flying in is gonna have the say simple thing like a bug suit when you're shooting in the Everglades? No, he's not gonna fly with that. He didn't even know there's bugs in the Everglades. He's from LA. He doesn't have <laughs> bugs. So he goes out there and he's like, What are these things? And I'm, and he sees me and I'm in the second covered up no problem because i have to be standing there in the woods you know the camera on me i have to have two of those in okay. fact i have to have three because i might have to give one to the producer because he didn't have one either you know i can't have one umbrella i gotta have five umbrellas and maybe because the actor and the makeup needed one you know when you're in the battle you see that it's every other department might need other things that you share the grip truck might be your home rolling home depot right. so you might have to go in there and give something to somebody it's best that you pay attention and know their needs and then you can ultimately keep the ball rolling like the whole thing is like from the moment you show up on set to you wrap the clock's ticking so you don't want to be not being productive because we're waiting for somebody to buy something or bring something in so that's the kind of like preparing you in more ways than just and also set etiquette nobody knows that anymore I mean set etiquette I mean I've done some shows here that we've had all these beautiful young kids that were they're helping us out but they can't talk to a guy that has big movie star a Bruce Willis this guy and if you don't handle that right on set they get mad because Mm -hmm. they're used to the big shows so if you don't give them what they need you know you don't walk up to that guy and talk to him directly you walk to that other person in there you know you don't Come on the set and override your director. I mean, there's etiquette of things that people have lost. That I had to be trained like that. So I, you know, it's yes sir, no sir. Talk mm-hmm. when I need to be and move as efficient as possible. Foresee what's going to happen. Have another thing as a backup. Offer it to the person, but not in a violent way. You know, and I'd like here, you know, I have this. Could this help? You know, and even other departments. Oh, we need. It. Can this? A, this might help. And then you know, that's that's being around somebody. And then I'm giving you scenarios. I have enough scenarios of my life that were real thing. I don't have to make it up. That I can say, okay, this happened to me for real. Now, boom, I'm going to throw you in it, and let's see how you handle it. Now, if I have a group of people that think that's valuable to them to go on from here, uh, then you know I'll have I'll have a good following. But at this point, I'm not really sure how many people will take advantage of that. And this is like part of the guest 3.0 we did it back a few different times and I think it was ahead of its time and now that that it's coming back around and there's not really I mean I'm getting calls from me to go out and work as a camera assistant I'm a DP I'm beyond that but I never lost that skill I mean I can go in a second and pull focus and I mean I did it for 30 something years I mean I know it back in my hand Mm -hmm. and well then you know so I don't want to be that guy but I want to be able to offer other people that I had that same opportunity that at some point you gotta be in the saddle and doing it. And either you do it and you you make it without any experience by faking it, or somebody trains you and says you're gonna do it. And then afterwards you say, "How do you feel?" And you say, I feel confident. Good. What do you feel weak on? This. Go train them some more. I want to kind of do that. Before since we recently have opened up in in Atlanta too. Atlanta is more receptive to this type of training than I have it here in Miami. But things are turning back around. Hopefully that happens because uh, the city and the state the the county wants to do education like that mm-hmm. because they see it's invaluable. If you're going to if you're going to be able to train some young people to then go out there and really do it not just run around as a PA running for coffee or doing things like that that you actually go out there on something that you know is your skill. That's job placement. And that makes everybody win. And then if they finally get somewhere and they need equipment and they will call back me again and say, I want to hire you or I want to your gear. And it's sort of like it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. If I can find that win-win that's a balance between money of what it would cost to pull that off. Because everybody I bring in, I got to pay them. So I'm not going to just be the only guy. I'm going to bring in ASC cameramen, DGA directors, and guys that have been doing this for 40 years. So you can, so they can give you, and they can show you on the screen of things that they've done. And I, I've, i they were all the people I worked under. And I've called them many times over the years and say, can I fly you in and you teach for a weekend of something? And they're like, of course. But, you know, you got to get it going. I yeah. want to have sponsors again, like Kodak and Aerie and different people that come in and showcase their new stuff that we can then have a platform that people can play with it. Really, it's like hands-on. It's mostly hands-on. Afterwards, you can research it and look it up and I can give you all the PDFs and all the different data. I have to see the, the response is going to be like.
0: This is amazing. This is really, really exciting. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to see uh, how this evolves. Definitely want to take part in it myself. We're going to take one more quick break and then we'll be back to conclude this episode I'm Howard Brand and we are talking today with cinematographer and film educator Egon Stefan jr these workshops that you're developing are great I know I'm excited to learn about them our audience is excited how can uh, someone sign up where can they find you uh, where can they learn more about you
1: uh, well, right off the bat, we're, we're going to be uh, sending out flyers for this and doing advertising on there. That's why we're looking at probably having it in the first uh, weekend of December or the second weekend on a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, you can find me on at Egon.com at Egon Stefan Jr. on Instagram or the same thing would be on Facebook or LinkedIn. Most of the times if you want to see images of what we're doing and behind the scenes, the Instagram shows you the most, but then the, for the longest one would be the Facebook because it's been we've been on that for the longest. I mean, I know it's like ancient times, but and I think we just started a TikTok and I have a lot of crazy things on there too, <laughs> like the little snippets. And where,
0: where can people go to sign up for the workshops once that becomes open?
1: This moment, i would probably be, be better to email me and then okay. I'll I'll send you in that direction with links to what we're doing it would be cinevision at mindspring.com we're seeing what the turnout was going to because if it's going to be a larger turnout than i think it's going to be i have to do another facility because i only can hold so many people or split it up so it's really like we're doing a tester on this to see because we want to do this every month or even twice a month, and we want to be able to be doing it on a bigger scale of repeated doing this. So it would be the um, best way to contact either by uh, DM on Instagram or Messenger or uh, an email on CineVision at Mindspring, and we'll, we'll send you the link to what to do and sign up.
0: Aside from developing workshops, uh, what else are you working on
1: these days? There's a TV show that we've been working on for the past four years called Paper Empire that's supposed to start coming up in December. And they're going to be uh, finishing their full episodes that we've been filming. They haven't released anything yet, but it'll be all in one package. That's uh, that's the most current one that's coming up. Um, on a daily basis at my rental house, we obviously rent out equipment and not necessarily work the job. So we have, a in a week or so, uh, like three cameras going out on a gig. And, and a lot of times we're renting out uh, 16 and 35 optical glass. That from vintage from back in the 80s that are now hard to find. We have we have those little extra things. So it would be um, pretty much developing this as much as I can because I, at some point here I have to fly back to Atlanta and go up there and do the same thing. And we have a we have a 30,000 square foot warehouse with a with a stage and we can bring a ton of people in there. And we want to make this available so both states and again do it on a bigger scale. That at some point that we can actually have people come in from out of the out of the country and do like a, an exchange. Type a thing where they can stay for a month and learn intensive stuff I mean we want to do it in a on a way that I just can't be the everything guy right. I need support I need help and I need people that feel the same way and have the same kind of vision where once I get inside doing something like this there's no clock for me normally I could do it till you tell me you're full so it's <laughs> not really work but then I got to find people that feel the same way you know and feel that they want to go and dedicate their time to helping other people and being patient and then giving them uh, a platform in which they can learn more so my current office office here is in Hollandale, right off of Hollandale Beach Boulevard. Um, again, you can contact me and I can send all the information. or I'm sure you can Google search at Sydney Video Tech Inc. And uh, it's centrally located between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And we just moved there because for 40 years I was at this one location. They actually named the street after my father because we had been there for so long and had such a dramatic impact and I Dade aid for that. So it would be... Um, that that's my new things coming up and uh you know i've been flying you know I, it's like your feast of famine you were sitting home doing nothing and then you get a phone call and you gotta fly to detroit for a week or you gotta you know that it, 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 that might happen and it's not a bad thing that's about pretty much what i have been having going on i was pretty busy earlier and now i had a little window and i'd rather be productive than just sitting home so if i have time you know it's like now i can focus on that and then until somebody grabs me and i'm stuck for seven weeks somewhere or that I want to push it forward as much as I can. And then maybe if I'm not that guy that has to be there that night, somebody equivalent to my skill level can be there. And we can keep it going. So it's just not me only. You know, I need I need a team. I like on a set. I mean, I can film ants in the Amazon, but I I still need a team. You know, I <laughs> still need you know more people to feel the same way that I'm doing.
0: Egon is all amazing. It's been a it's been wonderful having you on the Cinema Pathway podcast. You are welcome to come back anytime. I would love to continue all of these conversations. Personally, as a filmmaker, I love the rich history of our industry, and I thank you keeping a part of it alive and really making sure that the next generation of filmmakers are educated uh, and learn about it and like we said ensuring that film does not die it's in my blood I love it so again appreciate you being here Really,
1: really excited to see what's coming along thank you Freddie also and everybody thank you so much
0: to our listeners thank you again for joining us on the Cinema Pathway podcast today I'm your host Howard Brand. Our director is Mike Maloney. Our producer is Juliette San, along with associate producer Victor Ferreira and executive producer Freddie R. Rodriguez. This has been a presentation of Paradoxical Films. Please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. Be sure to visit our store so you can get your Cinema Pathway merchandise as well. You can also email us at cinemapathway at Paradoxicalfilms.com, where you can send any comments or suggestions for future episodes. We hope you will join us for our next episode, where we will continue bringing on special guests to talk about the craft of filmmaking right here on the Cinema Pathway Podcast. Lights out.